boys are back. Jazz Season Podcast. We come at you guys for this second episode of the week. Shout out to everybody who checked out the last episode we did with Dane Moore. Um, a lot of NBA great stuff in there. Um, shout out to everybody watching on the Periscope. Uh, we have a great episode for you guys today. Um, got my boy Raz and me. Raz, what's going on, brother? What's going on, man? It's a, a beautiful Thursday night in New York City. Um, and by beautiful, we're just saying it's not snowing. Uh, pretty warm today, but, you know, everything's good. How's everybody doing? We good, we good, we good. Um, and yeah, man, you know, shout out to Global Warming because it was definitely snowing yesterday. It was like six degrees <laughs> outside. But, um, but yeah, man, on, on today's show, we have a very special guest. Um, somebody who I enjoy, one of my favorite national media guys, somebody who I'm going to call him a friend of the show, somebody who um, he came on my old show, shout out to St. John's, WSJU. Um, we did a he so he did one of my first interviews with a, with a national media guy. It was kind of rough when I go back and listen to it because I talked over him the whole time. So <laughs> I'm gonna do a better job at, at that today. Uh, but joining us on today's show, it's Robin Lumberg. Robin Lumberg is a TV and radio host. Um, he is currently employed by Sports Illustrated. You can check out his daily videos. Um, and you can also check out his radio show on Sirius XM on Mad Dog Radio. Um, also might have seen him on various ESPN platforms. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. Robin, what's going on, my guy? What's good? I mean, you're talking about the weather. It's dark, man. Uh, that's what, you know, <laughs> if he pitch black at 5 p.m., just like, that's it. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to stay positive. That's the <laughs> only way. This, this, this seasonal, like, you got me up past my bedtime. That seasonal depression is real. Seasonal depression so kicking my ass. I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay positive. Yeah. You're not allowed to leave the house, and, and, and it's dark all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man. So, so Lumberg, thank you once again for hopping on the show. And we, like I said, um, a lot of stuff going on in the sports world. Uh, so we got a lot of ground to cover. So we can get straight into it. Um, but like I said, shout out to the whole family. Shout out to the Blue Wire um, for this whole connection and everything. Um, since we are in our infancy as as media entities or whatever you would like to call podcasters or whatever, uh, it's always great to get background stories of of people who actually have done time. In the field, so a um, couple questions we had to start you off. Your earliest sport memories as a fan. Um, what comes to mind when you think about what like really connected you to to this heroin that we all that we follow called sports? Well, I mean, playing sports was one. I mean, I played all sports: basketball, soccer, ran track. I, I was actually voted most athletic in my high school, which was a crock. I shouldn't have got that award. But it says, you know, it says I, more about your high school than you probably. You no, know, I mean, because they were really good athletes in my high school. <laughs> yeah, that's, what I'm saying. that's what I'm saying. I didn't deserve it. I got it. I got it because, you know, I did a bunch of sports, maybe because I was white or something and made the basketball team. I, I, I don't know. Something like that. But, uh, you know, the I, if I'm going to give you a minute since we were just talking about snow, I'll tell you this one because I always loved the NBA. I always loved basketball. Um, but I remember. I was in Lusby, Maryland. I lived on this uh, road. wasn't even paved. And they had oh, this God. ice storm that came through. And we had tickets to see the Bullets, I guess, at the time against the Spurs. And I liked David Robinson a lot when I was a kid. And despite the ice storm, I was like, we got to go. We got to go. And made my dad drive. We drove like the hour and 15 minutes it took to get to the arena. And then... Um, it they announced David Robinson wasn't playing because he had a bad back. So that was like before social media, because you know, like you wouldn't get the update, you know. <laughs> and and so I always tell that story whenever I hear people upset about like load management or whatnot, because I get that. Like some little kid going to his first game and they're like, sorry, uh, you know, LeBron's not in today. It's gonna be Dennis Schroeder. Um actually <laughs> <laughs> the 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 uh load management guy, but you you get the point. So that that's that's the uh 
you know, foray. And then I went to um, University of Maryland. I always knew I had a passion for that sort of thing and, and, and uh, went through um, sports radio there at the, the radio station. I was calling sports. I didn't even know the rules, too. I had to learn them until I worked my way up into football and, and basketball. And that was a good entry point to my internship at Around the Horn when that show was in its infancy. I'm old. And that was the first thing that kickstarted my career, I guess. So I say, um, shout out, shout out to our friend of the show, um, Rios, my guys. So since you brought up Maryland, I have to I have to ask this question: Are you on campus at the same time as as Steve Blake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out yeah. to your brother Steve Blake, man. Yeah, Do you have any I, Steve Blake stories? Because I, I just know that's our guy. It's like like randomly, that's his favorite player. So we just, I, just oh, had I to played get ball over. with him a couple times. Or not a couple <laughs> oh, times. I played God. ball with him. I, I mean, not uh, uh, use hyperbole. I played ball with him once. Um, so the the title team that was the starting five was Lonnie Baxter, Chris Wilcox, Byron Mouton, Steve Blake, and Juan Dixon, right? Yeah, and Juan Dixon, man. Byron yeah. Mouton was Byron Mouton too. Was friendly. Uh, with my girl's roommate in college, and okay, I was gonna say something else about to say, oh god. And uh, <laughs> I, I would, you know, I would go to the, the rec center, what and one time I went over there with him, and uh, you know, the, the players would be hooping there sometimes. And I played, I played on the same team as Blake. Um, and you know, he, he's one of those guys you got to be prepared for the ball to come at any time. And then Wilcox, I always was, you know, I always was big on Wilcox's potential because he was such a you know, he had like Amari Stoudemire kind of athleticism. I guess he just didn't have, you know, yeah, that kind the of rest time. of the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think even touching upon like how how was it as a as a young kid interning at at um for around the horn? Um is this is this this is pre uh Tony Reality? So this is Max stuff, right? Yeah, no, no. So yeah, it was Max, uh, who is uh, still a good friend of mine. And and I, I first made good impressions at Around the Horn by getting everybody's food order right. Because I would remember this was when Chipotle had just sprung up and like Chipotle was in the, so they would send people me to Chipotle every day and I memorized their orders and, and I would have that all all right. But um around the horn and PTI were in adjoining rooms too. So it was a really cool experience. But Tony Reality's first time as host of the show, I forget. Um Max had had like a dental emergency, something like that. He, he had to call out the day of and they didn't know what to do. And I guess because Tony was on TV, he was literally like a, a researcher. Like that was his job on, on PTI. But they created that stat boy. Stat boy yeah, stat boy. Yeah. Because he was on TV, they're like, all right, but we're going to have Reality do it. So I had to go to his apartment to get him a suit. <laughs> and and I did, so I went and, and fetched his suit from his apartment the first day he actually hosted the the, the show. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, cool stories. Um like that from from that time there so i think um yeah i think even moving on a little bit um in terms of like yeah because you, you mentioned the relationship with max and that's where i originally um heard or found about found out about you the early uh max Kellerman on on 1050 um espn radio days which is one of my favorite shows I, I, I spoke about this last time we did it so it's always great to follow your um your work and, and see what you do one of my main questions I've had for you, and it's kind of just amazement, and this goes, this is a radio thing, but it goes throughout, like, for anybody that does morning radio. And I remember sometimes there's a lot of, uh, the, I think you were doing like a, a 4 a.m., 5 a.m. show at, at, at one point, right? 4 to, four to 6 a.m., yeah. 4 to 6. Yeah, man. What what the hell is that like? Like, how does it, like, first of all, talk about how, like, <laughs> I want to know about the rest of your day. Like, what was that like? What was it after you recorded? But, like, even, what was the hardest part about mornings? Otherwise, like, 
like obviously other than waking up, but talk about that a little bit, just how rough mornings were. Well, never feeling completely right as a human being. That was, I think, <laughs> you know, I, I made a decision. I, I decided the only way to do that was to split shift my sleep. Um, because if you're going to get a full night's sleep, you have to be in bed by like six o'clock at night. And that's just not feasible. Maybe nowadays it is, but in, in, nah, in those I mean, times, <laughs> it's not feasible for like a regular lifestyle. Right. So I, um, I would go to sleep around after the game or whatever. Let's say there's a game at 11, I'd sleep till two 30 and, or, you know, as late as I could. And then yeah. I would go do the show and then I would come back and, to be honest, for a lot, you know, my son Raj was born during the midst of that. So um, before that, I would just come back and go right to sleep. But after he was born, I would come back and take him to like Jimboree class in the morning. And then after <laughs> that, you know, like drop him off with wifey. And then I would take a nap more. I mean, more like, you know, sleep part two and sleep yeah. from, you know, 10 to one or something like or, or nine to, you know, nine to noon, something like that. And that was the way I did it. The. I'll tell you the one thing I looked at at that time as the biggest positive, and it's crazy because time moves because you mentioned Max's show. Like when we were doing Max's show, because I was the producer and, and the the you know sidekick on the air or whatnot, um, I was easier to yell at than he was because he was the host. And we were trying stuff back then. Well, yeah, I, I, that's why I enjoyed I it. Say, I wouldn't say we were like Levitard show exactly, but like in the vein of being different, that's right? And we got a lot of pushback for it, so I was always hearing about that. Yeah. Um, which made that some trials and tribulations. But when I got to the early morning shift, I looked at it and thought, all right, the benefit of this shift is I can have the first podcast out. And that was when podcasts were, were popping. And yep. there was a point in time where on that station, my podcast numbers, only the afternoon drive show did better podcast numbers than mine did. But, um, you know, there was somebody, somebody in management, I'm not going to name any names, but they, he said, yeah, yeah. Uh, politics. he said, uh, well, you know, before we before we uh, work on the cannolis or something, we got to get the pizza right. And I was like, that's not a good analogy. This is delivery versus dining. You know, it's the same product, yeah. just how you consume it. Uh, but, you know, that was one of the benefits of doing early morning and the connection with the audience, because the people who are doing those sort of jobs, like they really appreciate, I think, that camaraderie and connection. Like, you know, I was telling you, I pick up my kid. I take him to, when I decide I live in Manhattan, I take him to a local park. And I'd have, like, a guy, like, drive by and go, like, Lumberg, what's up, man? Raj, what's up? You know, like, they just had that that connection. Cab drivers, uh, you know, those those sort of jobs. Um, that was always cool, too. Yeah, that was that was that was literally going to be my next question, just because it's it is so early. You get a certain type of person that is, you know, up working and, and it's almost like Cat a cold drivers, family. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost like you're with them every day. Like at that point, you're a part of their routine. So I, I just wanted to know how was like the interactions, you know, on those calls and, and with those fans? It was great. Uh, yeah, it was great. I, I used to do something called Fanalist Friday, too, where I'd have a fan come in and co-host that, yeah, on a Friday. Um, it was. Look, I've always prided myself on being able to get engagement and reaction no matter where you put me. Uh, put me anywhere on earth, I'll triple my worth, right? Um, you know, and I, I was able to do that in, in that time slot. But yeah, there there is a certain connection because that's a you know the working man who's who's really you know looking for somebody to be there. And, and I you know I've I've never I've always tried to not lose sight of that aspect of no matter where I've been, what I've been doing, like you know. I don't exist if if people aren't into it uh, and 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 checking it out. Um, 
And I always appreciate that part of it. The 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 flip side, the you know, the, like the anxiety side, is the constant popularity contest. Like, am I good enough? Do people like me? Are people clicking? Are people viewing? <laughs> Which can be a little emotionally taxing at, at times too. But the 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 love and and all that uh, always. And I think that's actually a great point you just brought up that I think any type of like content creator like might struggle with at, at times. And I think it, w- it would just be interesting to get your point of view on it in terms of like it's it's sort of like FOMO that that content creators have in terms of like, am I being good enough and, and stuff like that? So especially like when and, and it's crazy because, you know, it's it's kind of what you make it. So so I guess some people would say, oh, I'm, I'm on the graveyard shift. But how did you manage that, at least like in your personal life and, and with your mentality to to keep grinding through some of like the, the slog, I guess, of like when you might not have been getting the getting what you thought your worth was or whatever? Yeah, well, um, let me first of all, when I was doing Around the Horn and, and right out of that job, I, I worked on Max's show on on Fox TV. So I, and I was a kid. I, was I, Max? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I came up to I came up to New York. I didn't even graduate yet i i didn't take my finals yet and i just came up here um and so i you know i was like on the fast track i thought there was no chance i you know there would be any bumps in the road but i had bumps in the road early um you know that show was for a variety of circumstances including tragic ones it didn't you know make it through a year and uh and then i just thought oh i'll get to the next thing and be fine um and I, i wound up on unemployment um, I wound up waiting tables and bartending before I got into the radio and got my foot in the door in the radio. But then even when I got my foot in the door in the radio, we were doing that stuff on Max's show. First, I was a produ- I was producing Stephen Stephen A's show, uh, Max's show behind the scenes. Um, and, and then when I got doing Max's show and got on air, there was that pushback. So I would get kicked off the air and then brought back on the air and then kicked off the air. So that was tough to take as well. And I, there was a point I got really frustrated um and and there was a point i just thought it was over there too and i went away to my wedding i remember and i didn't even really have a job when i came back they offered me the producer slot on the afternoon drive show and i said no i'd only take an on-air slot um and that's when they carved out the middle of the night it actually was 3 a.m before it was anything else and so once i got into that 5 a.m slot it was almost in a sense of promotion and then you know that show went national or whatnot and there was, so I thought I was growing, right? And I was growing that podcast audience, like I told you about. Sorry, my dog is trying to play fit. Um, and uh, it was only after a certain point then I felt like, all right, now is the time for you to do more with me. And that frustration came, and things just met an end, I guess, when they were supposed to. Um, and, and within within a couple days of my time at ESPN being over, Maggie Gray. Shout out to Maggie. She contacted me and told me, you know, that they were looking for a co-host for SI Now at, at the time. She was a listener of the show. So I went in there. First day I was overdressed, apparently. The next day I came in and I found my new uniform, which is this T-shirt with a blazer over it. The blazer yeah. right over here. I, you know, Cozy vibes. Yeah, cozy vibes. Yeah, I get the Superman. Like, this is my casual wear. And then I'll take this hat off, style my hair and, and put the blazer on. But that second day I, I came in. And I did a LeBron take, of course. Uh, yeah. You know, this was before it was like in vogue to say LeBron was the best ever. And I, and I, I'm familiar with the brand. I'm familiar with the brand. I know the vibes. Yeah, I did the whole spiel. In fact, it started. Yeah. The whole video started with uh, a Jay Z lyric to get into a LeBron take. So it was like the the speech I was. So yeah, you were just on uh, brand the whole way right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, what was the what was the lyric? Uh, uh, 
hope got flow, but he's no big and pop, but he's close. How am I supposed to win when they got me fighting ghosts? And <laughs> that video did like 10 million views. So I was like, oh, I got that job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that was the start of my career over there. And, and you know, I, you know, do some other stuff, the Saturday morning radio show on CBS Sports Radio and whatnot. But, uh, you know, this is, this is a field I always tell people it's not the one where you got to really want it if you want to be in it because yeah. it's really rewarding to do it for a living, of course, but it's not like, you know, the most stable or the one that isn't going to kick your ass sometimes. So I've had to learn to, to get up from the ass kickings. You know, you can't, you can't, um, I mean, you can't get hit like Nate Robinson and get up, but well, <laughs> the, normal, the normal shots you got to get up from. So, so I mean, okay, go ahead, Raz, go ahead. I was just saying, just, just leaving, you know, leaving ESPN, obviously, obviously that being like the biggest sports conglomerate out there. Um, what is your mindset at that point? Like before, you know, obviously it was a short turnaround when um, Sports Illustrated called you, but it was one of those things where it's like you're leaving one of the top, the, the top sports entity in the world, like, and this is your passion. This is what you want to do. So, like, in your mind, where are you at at that point? Like, what what do you think is next? Well, you know, look, I I, I had gotten somehow I had gotten myself to a good mental space about okay. it. Um, I was frustrated. At the end, you know, I had done Mike and Mike and some stuff, and I thought at one point I would break through. And, and look, there's a nobody's really at fault. There's a variety of reasons, including some that I'm at fault for, right? Uh, that made it a, a rough situation. And then, to, I mean, I'll, I'll just be completely blunt and honest. And anybody didn't know, my time ended there because of that mass layoffs that they did at town. But I think that turned out to be the best promotion possible for me because it wasn't me. It wasn't like. Robin Lundberg is from ESPN. It's like all these people. So yeah. like that day, there was a wave of attention around it. And, and I think because of that, that is what, you know, uh, allowed me to get support and, and, and people to notice and, and people to read out, reach out right away. Because, I mean, it was less than a week, uh, you know, within, within the next week. I think it was the following Tuesday was the first day I had gone into SI. So from like Thursday to Tuesday or something like that. It's even it's even funny like looking at it because I mean I'm not gonna put you in a position to slander your former employer, um, but I will do it. Uh, like, but they I, I I've watched them like mishandle or misuse talent the same way like a, a, a like sports teams would. Um, but I so the last thing before we move on to to the NBA preview stuff, what like because I remember this is this let's let's rewind back to <laughs> let's rewind back to decision because this one I just remember I just want to know what do you remember from that night because I remember you did a show that morning. Whenever the time was, it was you and 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 Ryan Rucco, um, and you guys did basically like a. This was at, like New York fans were riding high. Knicks fans thought Brown was coming here. I know I thought. <laughs> um, so like, what do you? And I just remember like after the decision, I didn't sleep. I was just up the whole time, and it's just crazy to think about how far we've came in the decades since, basically. But what do you remember from that that night and that just the whole time around that? the area because and i remember you you were saying stuff that really wasn't like mainstream at the time for how you re reacted to lebron's decision and i mean it i think it'd be amazing to actually listen back to that show <laughs> one well, even like in terms of like the venom but what do you just remember from being on the air and the post aftermath decision and leading that into into some lebron legacy talk afterwards but yeah well, people were emotional, right? Uh, I remember the buildup, though. The buildup was fun. I, I did a, a song uh, where I chopped up Bloomberg and said, like, come on, LeBron. And I I chopped that up yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> of the song. And, uh, you know, so I was I was leading the charge to get LeBron to New York. In fact, I don't know if you remember on Max's show, because the Knicks were so bad, 
we did the New York Cavs of Cleveland bit mm-hmm. where we started rooting for the Cavs and we would have like we had Mike Brown on. He was the coach. <laughs> yeah. Coach of the New York Cavs of Cleveland. And I went in their locker room and I talked to Zerbiak and Ben Wallace like cursed me out. Uh, you know, because I was I was like talking to New York Cavs of Cleveland players. Um so I was leading it, and then Ryan and, and and myself uh were together at that time and, and we did a show that I, you know, I I thought had a chance to be bigger, but circumstances intervened there. But should have, should have been. The motion was raw because people were hurt and people didn't expect him to say Miami. And I didn't expect him to say Miami. But what I, I think in retrospect, the decision is such a cultural touchstone moment because it is the sample. It is the prime example of like the 24-7 news cycle and social media becoming something. Um, prior to that, you know, I don't think social media was a big thing. When did Twitter launch? Like 2008, the decision yeah, was 2010. You know, you didn't have all these radio shows, all these TV shows all the time, podcasts all the time. So when LeBron did that, it became a cottage industry to talk about LeBron every day. And, and in fact, I don't even think it was the decision that upset people the most. I think it was the not one, not two, not three, not four thing at the pep rally. And that was a pep rally that I believe was intended for just the Miami Heat fans. Like they thought it was like when a pro wrestler was like, hey, Cleveland, you know, like they were doing that for, yeah. for Miami, right? <laughs> and, um, but it was just at the, the wrong time as far as right then was when it first became apparent anything you did anywhere could be everywhere like that. And so like that went everywhere. People started talking about it, talking about LeBron, following him every day. And I think that was like almost in many ways the origin story of the current media climate from a 24-7 social media take, 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 take kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, that that time period, that I mean, that's my, what, senior year of high school, maybe freshman year going into college. And I watched that live with the whole family. And I never was, I was never a LeBron hater. Like I've, I've always loved LeBron, but I wasn't like, a, I wasn't a stan. I was a mellow guy coming out. Um, you know, in that draft class. So the moment he went <laughs> to Miami, you know, it turned into like, like you said, it was venom. I felt that I had to hate LeBron and I hated him up until he went back to Cleveland. Like that's what it came down to. I, I couldn't stand that whole Miami Heatles thing. I loved watching Dirk tear him apart in that, in that finals right there. Like that was, that was the therapy I think I needed to get over it. But yeah, I mean, like you said, the mass media became, you know, a thing where anything that these athletes did became personified where we were going to talk about it, regardless if it was on the court, on the field or anything like that. So LeBron did usher in a new age, I guess, for better or worse. The player, for, it's for the player empowerment era yeah, after that. Yeah. It's post, it's post decision. Definitely. I mean, we're dealing with the effects of that right now. Like just, you know, this season's going to be one, one that we're going to have to worry about which players are going to want to leave, you know, and, 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 in their power towards the, the the franchises. It's not just that, too. It's from the media side where you get yeah. these, like, LeBron was in the layup line with his kid. Is he a bad father? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the ridiculousness that comes with, with that. Like, I mean, there, there's good and bad. I mean, again, and, and the whole industry is the Wild West now, too, where there's so many more places um, to go, but but everybody's yeah. trying to figure out how to monetize. It, it, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> So I think even staying 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 with the Kang um, for for right now, 
where, where, all right, where are we at right now with it? Because like I said, and you guys were early on it to where, I, I mean, I thought LeBron, like I could ask you, when do you think LeBron became the best player in the league? Um, Some some people thought it happened after the first ring, but I, I thought he had already consistent, like he just didn't get the validation of being the best player in the world by the time he got the ring. Um, But what do you, what's left for LeBron? What do you think he like, and is it just chasing Jordan at this point? Like what else? Because I like, honestly, he could retire today and he's a goat in my eyes. Yeah. But like in terms of like, like you said, chasing ghosts, is it just he has to get six? Or, like, where are we at with this LeBron GOAT conversation in your eyes? Well, look, I, I said LeBron's the best player I've ever seen, the GOAT, whatever you want to call it, years ago. Um, I, I think, you know, just the pure impact on a team. He's a one-man dynasty. You you put him on a team. You go from the, the finals to the lottery by his mere presence, and we've seen that over and over again. I think you could argue he was the best player, you know, as early as maybe – 2006 2007 yeah, uh you know that's probably about the earliest you could argue it but at least this entire decade right uh you know uh as far as what's where he is i think what this title in la did and this is me like being objective taking my personal opinion out of it macro thirty thousand foot view uh, i think what it did was make it official that it's 1a and 1b LeBron and Jordan, Jordan, LeBron, however you want to put it, people are going to argue it forever. And, and, and I love the people who say it's not an argument. Then why do you keep having it? Right. Like, why does, <laughs> it's the greatest of, on the sports talk greatest hits album. It is the banger. It is the, you know, want to allow me to reintroduce myself. It comes on and, and everybody's rocking. Um, so I think that was solidified as far as what's left for Le- LeBron to accomplish. I don't think anything except for just, you know, continuing to put icing on that cake. I mean, if he, if he could do another, I mean, imagine if he is able to pull off some sort of mini dynasty in LA. Like a three peak. Yeah. That's something. When he went to the Lakers, didn't you think like, Oh, if he could get one, if he could get, if he could get one. And and that seemed like a tall task. So uh, who the hell, he could break Abdul Jabbar's record. He could play with his kid. You know, he could, he could win a couple more titles, but I mean, the, the dude is, is just adding accomplishment after accomplishment to, to the point where, you know, any sort of, of besmirchment of his resume or legacy is just asinine. This is crazy. So I think um, we, could, we could talk about it on, on, on each side in the West and the, and the East. Who do you think is the biggest threat for, for the Lakers this season? Brooklyn. I mean, if you're not, I don't know if Brooklyn's definitely going to be there. You know, there's a lot of unanswered questions. But if you're telling me, like, which team, if they get to their highest plane of existence, I think it's probably them when you come with the, the shot creation that they have and, and the, the depth that they have. In the West, I, I don't dismiss the Clippers, ha-ha, 3-1, but that's still a good team. They still got Kawhi Leonard. They still got Paul Durant. You know, like, Paul Durant's jokes, like, the direct deposit's going to hit, like, the side of the backboard, right? Yeah. But you you – you got to remember Paul George is a bad player. I mean, he's a good player. Right? I guess I shouldn't phrase it that way. Uh, a very good player. Everybody would sign him under that contract, right? Like, he's an excellent player. Um, the, the Nuggets, they, they proved themselves pretty well. The Milwaukee's very good. We got to see what happens w- with James Harden. But if you're just telling me who has the most talent, elite-level, top-level talent, when it comes down to it, I do think it's the Nets. So I think I'll ask you this, Raz. What what do you think is, and we can talk about the Nets because it's it's a pretty interesting conversation, and I kind of do want to. We got to get into the Knicks, obviously, and that that'll be the uh, next pivot after yeah. this. We're gonna have to. We, we gotta do something about these Knickerbockers, man. Because um, I actually let's let's go here now since we're here. 
I think I want to talk about your relationship with Knicks fans because I, something I've noticed <laughs> over the past couple of years with, mm-hmm. with Knicks fans is, and I think Knicks fans are some of the best fans in the world. So I kind of do see where they're coming from. And there's a, there's a segment of Knicks fans who are just tired of being the butt of the jokes. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's, honestly, it's the franchise that's the joke. It's not the fans. The fans are, are some of the best in the business. And it's the reason why MSG is packed out to this day. And the only reason why it's not going to be packed out is COVID. But what, like, so what's your what's your pulse on the Knicks fan base one right now in terms of like, you know, like just the just the the psyche of them and what we can we can talk about the organization at large and, and what needs to happen. But how do you how do you what are your views on the Knicks fan, um, the Knicks fan base at large? I mean, you could say their loyalty is admirable or you could say it's dumb. I mean, like <laughs> one, of the, one of the two. Right. I it's tried. Both, you know, I it's tried. I, yeah. Let me let me put it this way. All right, you know, basketball, NBA was always my my number one, always my heart. And I think New York, in its heart of hearts, wants to be a basketball town. I really sure. do believe that. Um, so I was doing radio and, and in, in New York, and there wasn't as many basketball people doing it. So I was pushing that. And I, wanted, I was even rationalizing, like, Eddie Curry and, oh, Eddie Curry scored 20, you know, and Isaiah, like, all that stuff. I was trying to, like, maybe I'll get a Amari Stoudemire jersey, you know, like, and, and just going through all this stuff and, and trying and trying and trying. And it just, like, they keep slapping you in the face. So eventually, you know, I got to a point where I'm just like, I can't do that. And I, I can't, you know. So I put on the, the black and white, like, NWO colors or something. But <laughs> as far as, as – the Knicks fan base goes, I mean, yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible that they keep coming back. I mean, they keep paying for that slap in the face that I was saying. There's a there's a sector um, of the, the Knicks fans that I, I used to call the Knicks fan police. I even had yeah. Carmelo record an intro for me about that. Yeah. No, it's um, a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've noticed it towards just like, that's where I was like, because the Knicks are an easy punchline. You could always, and some national media guys just hit the Knicks punchline and it always hits. I get it. But like, there's a certain point where I was just like, you know what? They're, they're a battered fan base. I don't want to keep doing this to them. It's it's just low hanging fruit. At a certain yeah, well, point. now, yeah, especially. But I mean, that, that like the, this group would come out and defend them every single time. Almost had Stockholm syndrome where they identified with their captor, right? And, and the thing with the Knicks is very real. It's not like a made up thing. It's an organ. There's like a, a, a black cloud. vibe of black. paranoia around yeah. them. I used to work. I used to do pregame and postgame for the Knicks. I called. I did play by play of a Knicks game on the radio. And then when you just see like the decisions that are just like insulting, almost like yeah. the, the whatever you think about him or whatever his career became, you're not going to bring Jeremy Lin back after Linsanity. Like Chris Stapp's Porzingis, you finally draft a guy. Like it's that like, was, oh, the, Porzingis, guy. the Porzingis one is where so many people lost me because it yeah. just did not make sense when it happened, and especially how they handled it. And we can we have hindsight now. So it's like, yeah, it was probably a bad idea the way they handled that. But at the time, it was people trying to rationalize it. And even though I was just like, if Porzingis hits and him and Luca actually like those picks aren't as valuable as people thought they were when they made that trade. No, they're yeah, not. Well, but like, he's got an injury problem for sure. That's a concern. It's real, it's real. And I still think it's a bad trade. But, but he's a max guy. Like when he's healthy, he's a yeah. max guy. You did it to clear space for a max guy. You had the max guy, and then both max guys went to Brooklyn. So I mean, the thing with me is like. To, for it to be worth it, he has to he has to falter, right? And I don't want to wish bad on the guy, but he he's a seven footer with bad knees, so it's one of those things where it's like I tried to find the positives in the trade, but as I'm sitting here looking at Dennis Smith Jr. every single day, I can't I can't find any positives. Like, and those picks, like Luca's going to be good enough to get them 40, 40 games a year if he has any help. You talk, Sean. You talking? 
the Zoom mic is muted or something. Yeah, I, mean, you know, mic, I did. I did. Yeah. Myself. <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. from the second left. <laughs> uh, Tim, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm, Tim Hardaway I'm okay Jr. was the second best player in the trade. I'm okay, Luke. Yeah, he was. We gave up. We gave up one and two on the yeah. trade, and then got and got picks that are going to be in the twenties. Tim Hardaway Jr. be the best player on the Knicks right now? Uh I mean, you see the fact that the fact that we yeah, got like, the ball it's, it's, is, is it's close. Is it's like, right, let me ask you a question: like, Do you, Austin Rivers currently the best player on the Knicks? Oh my! No, I mean, no, no. You have to say you have to Julius Randle, and that and that hurts or, me. Or, but Julius, yeah. I'm like Julius Randle's the hard right. As a proven core guy, I would take Austin Rivers. I mean, I, you would hope R.J. Barrett has a much higher ceiling. Mitchell Robinson has a much oh, higher ceiling. Yeah. It's just like the thought experiment. The point, like, you can make the argument as a proven player that Austin Rivers might be the best guy they got. And I think so. Even we could, we could get back a little bit to the to the Nets. And, Raz, this is what I meant to ask you previously. <laughs> but we let's talk about the Nets roster in totality for a moment. Because um, I do think mm. it, it deserves a – analysis a deep analysis about what they're about to put on the floor this season um kd and Kyrie, obviously but what do you see as if you want to play the pessimistic role what is uh what are the biggest questions for them as a team and let's just say obviously i, I actually think Kyrie's a bigger health like threat than, than kd if, if we're being real so it's just like i like sure. so that's 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 a that's a completely different subject but let's just talk about the encore product what do you what do you think is their biggest issue that could come across for the nest this year just on court. I mean, because I think Kyrie, look, you, Kyrie's incredibly skilled, but you never know. Like, you, you know, you don't know what your third eye might see when you're reading your tweets <laughs> the next day with Kyrie. Uh, you know, so that's that's definitely a concern, though he's he's awesome on the court. Um, as far as personnel wise, I, th- I guess how they defend. Yeah, elite that's, the, that's the only thing I, I'm thinking yeah. about. It would be defense because KD's probably going to play the four. Um, that's, five, what I, I think. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I'm going to see. I see from them. And then, you know, they have Jared Allen and, and DeAndre. Jared Allen's still a little frail. Um, he has to fill out. So, I mean, physically, they, they may have to to lean on DeAndre Jordan a little more than they would like to just because of um, Jared Allen has to just come into his, his adult body. But on the wing, I mean, Karras and Joe Harris, you know, they may be liabilities out there on the wings because, I mean, do you put – you can't put KD on the top threes at this point. I mean, you have to see how that 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 Achilles is going to hang – hang um, hold on, you know what I'm saying? So, from two and three – the positions two and three, we have to see how they guard. And I think that's uh, – I think that's the toughest part for them right now. Yeah, I think Bruce Brown was a good pickup on the margins for them. Uh, I mean, Bruce Bowen? No, Bruce Brown. No, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Yeah, from the from the business. If they got Bruce okay. Bowen, I don't know if Bruce Bowen could still play. Oh yeah, Bruce Brown. Brown. <laughs> but um, Bruce Brown. <laughs> I'm about to. I'm like, damn, Bruce Brown is the edible head early. Is the edible nah, head nah. early? Nah, I'm, Bruce Brown is the. He's from the Pistons. I, I'm yeah, with you. I'm, 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 I'm tracking with you. But he doesn't have that. You know who I think is going to be a sneaky important player for them is Jeff Green. Um, you know, and he's been around the the block a lot in, in recent years. But I think he's helped the teams that I think he helped the Cavs. At the end of LeBron's tenure there, I think he helped the Rockets last year. And I think he's the guy you might see in some some closing lineups um, guarding some of those guys. But that's a, Karis LeBert's going to have to step up on that end if he's on the team. Is um, Torian and, Prince still on the roster? Yeah, Torian yeah. Prince is still on the roster. So, yeah, yeah. He, he may get some of those dirty duties as well, like just running running the best two and threes off the line, basically. Yeah, he had a bad season last year. He's just going to have to have a better season. He has some of the, the capabilities of doing mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I think that's their biggest question mark because I think when they put their their top offensive lineups out there, they're just going to be tough to to stop from a, a shot creation and shooting standpoint. 
See, and I think even with the Nets probably over the last two years, like you guys said with the defense, and I do think um, one one thing, and it, I think it's obvious why Kenny Atkinson got got let go, but he actually, like, if, if we're being real over the last two years, this Nets team actually was pretty decent on defense for, like, what you expect for the personnel. Um, I believe they might have been around top 10 last year and the year before they were around 15th. So I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic about – that's going to be – like you guys said, it's going to be a huge wild card about – how good but is the defense and the rebounding? Because like you said, Jared Allen is pretty frail. And I actually thought that Nets team that made it to the playoffs uh, the year before, it was at the 2018 Nets, they, they got killed on the boards. That was actually their biggest issue. So um, it's going to be interesting because I think KD as a four, he it's going to be interesting how he actually bangs. And what do you guys expect from him post Achilles? Because I just think it's it's the it's the biggest. Will KD be able to beat defeat the monster that is the Achilles? Like the Achilles injury is basically taking out some of the best players and the best talents. And I'm also rooting for um for for Boogie and did John Wall tear his Achilles? I think he did. He right? did, he did. Yeah. yeah. So so it's a bunch of guys. So how, how what percentage of of KD do you think they'll get, and what percentage do you think they'll need to actually be a championship contender? Because that's my question about Kyrie specifically. We could talk about Kyrie, Kyrie and his woke stuff, but I actually think Kyrie as a leader and Kyrie as somebody who's going to take a huge actual portion of the responsibility of the team as a scorer we know what he is it's about the other stuff and <laughs> this team actually does have some snowball potential for being a little real it's i don't think it's probably not likely but it's, it is a possibility well Kyrie's wolverine right in the sense where you don't necessarily want him around all the time but when things get rough you want him around like cyclops yeah. didn't want wolverine around most of the time but but when you're in that that battle you know it's tight spaces he, he can navigate and take care of business. And, and as far as KD, I think they need him to be close to 100%. Uh, you know, in, in a different phase of his career. The First of all, the Achilles is not quite the death sentence it was once was for players. We've seen guys come back from Achilles now and, and play, you know, pretty well, whether it's Rudy Gay or, or Wesley Matthews, or, you know. And, and if there's somebody that's going to come back the best one, yeah. and be really good, it's going to be KD because of his game. You know, he's, he first of all, wasn't his plant leg. Second of all, yeah. he's he's close to seven feet tall and he can shoot the ball. And and I yeah. think as Raz was mentioning, they're they're doing a good job of putting him up to the four or five spot, which is the right move, I think, for this part of his career. Cause then you can start to you don't have to like put him in the, in the more strenuous guarding situations as far as moving on the floor, and you can exploit what he brings from a, a skill-wise position on the other end of the floor. So I I, I think I would hope you see at least 90% of uh, of Katie. I mean, yeah, I, I think I, I just something I feel like I feel a, a pessimistic feeling about the Nets this year. I, I don't know if it's the Knicks fan in me that I'm just rooting for. It's the hate in your heart. It's definitely the it might it might be hate in my heart. It's it's a little clouded, but I mean, obviously, if they're if they're clicking on all cylinders, like they are a threat to win that championship. Um, they have the scoring and they have the thing that you know the Bucks don't, and that's the shooting that <laughs> from your star player, like he they. Giannis is obviously he's a bucket he can get you a bucket but when when things start to break down and that jump shot is not working that's what's held them back these last two years um but we can pivot on to you know just some some player comparisons and you know one that one topic that's really hot right now is Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell which player would you take which who do you have is the better NBA player right now um until until further notice I have to say Donovan Mitchell just okay. because we've only seen Jamal Murray do it at that level in the bubble. And the bubble was a unique set of circumstances where 
there wasn't the travel, there wasn't the opposing crowd, there wasn't, you know, like it really benefited shooters, I think. You know, Dame, Dame said, Dame Lillard said the other day, and people tried to run with it. He said it was uh, it was easier, and then people tried to use that to slight LeBron's title and everything, you know. But what Dame was, Dame didn't mean it was not a more difficult circumstances to win the title or whatever. He meant it was easier to perform at your highest level because of all that. And and, and I think you saw like Dame shooting like crazy, and 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 Jamal Murray, you know, Jamal Murray reminded me a lot of Kyrie the way he played. And and, and if he does like he did in the bubble for an extended period of time. I would I would revisit this discussion and possibly put him over. But Donovan Mitchell has now done it over more of a, um, a sample size where I don't think it's fair to him to just say Jamal Murray is better based off one playoff run. That, and that's my thing with Jamal. Jamal, and he showed how much of a, a flamethrower he is. But the next step for me for him is is doing that during the regular season because he, he fades a lot during the regular season. And the inconsistency is his, like, that's his problem that he needs to solve in the next step. So it'll be interesting to see if he carries some more of the offensive load this year uh, to take uh, take some pressure off of Jokic. I think the next player combination uh, comparison that I've personally been going back and forth with, and I've been giving it a lot of thought, particularly on the defensive end, which is why I think maybe in uh, in, in two-way value is definitely a closer conversation than, than some might say. But where would you be at on, on Luka Doncic's first Jason Tatum right now? Oh, Luka. That's not even close. <laughs> oh, that's not even How you feel about that? I mean, to, I don't. I'm not gonna say it's not close, but I'm, I'm leaning. I'm leaning Luca. I'm leaning Luca just from what he does on a rebounding and a facilit- facilitation, you know, standpoint. But I don't know to say it's not close. Like Jason Tatum is. is he's really. He's really good. Oh, oh um, but, that, that, that's not. That's not but, a question. He's really good. But yeah, I mean, but when you put it that way. I, when you put it that way, I mean, Luca has the ability to be an MVP candidate. I don't yeah. see it. I don't see that. For Tatum right now, so if there's an expansion the draft go. of the entire league right now, everybody's yeah. off of teams, and you got the number one pick. Who are you taking? Probably it's probably Luca. No, yeah, that's yeah. Um, I mean, and, Luka, and, he might be the next face of the NBA. So I'm not slighting Tatum by saying it's not close. I just think Luca's. You know, Tatum is like perennial All Star, and and Luca is MVP. Mm-hmm. I think the thing the thing with Tatum that I will say was the most impressive part about his his playoff run, at least. And I think I wrote it, and that's the funny thing, because a lot of people were down on Tatum for year two, and that's a perception thing. I don't think Tatum was fundamentally like – I mean, like I said, linear, um, development is not linear, so I think people just wanted a bigger step, and he was anointed a little quicker than than his game. Um, but I think the, one of the biggest steps I saw from Tatum last season is, one, is he improved as a facilitator. Um, he was making a lot a lot better reads, particularly in that Miami series. I was pretty, pretty impressed in – in him taking that next step as a passer, which is why that's uh, the scoring can be it's closer, but the facility, uh, Luca being one of the a top five passer in the league, probably even top two or three, honestly, uh, that that is one of the biggest advantages he has. And even with Tatum too, he he really did clean up his, his shot chart, a little less mid range shots, uh, more three pointers, and he he's a better he's a he's a he's a killer three point shooter, and he's probably a better shooter between uh, mm-hmm. Luca and, and 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 Tatum at this point. Um, so I think yeah he he would have to take another step as a as a passer and really involve that um, the rest of his teammates because I I think even Boston if we talk about them as a team what do you think Boston needs to do to really take that next step because I'm kind of I think Danny Ainge is on the clock now so Tatum just signed that extension um, so like I said the clock is on now once you sign that second extension that's when uh, the clock is on. But what do you think that team really needs? A lot of people say the big man, but I'm I'm not so sure exactly what Boston needs. What what would you say from your from your POV would unlock 
the a, a, a true championship core, not just a perennial Eastern Conference Finals team, but somebody who can actually be a championship team for Boston and Jason Tatum. Yeah, I don't know if they have it. Um, uh, you know, Tatum, like you mentioned, he's an awesome, smooth scorer. Luca's like a playmaker for everybody else, and, and I think you even saw in the that Heat series, Boston struggled a little bit with the playmaking down the stretch. So I think best case scenario for them, Kemba Walker is fully healthy and plays a lot better. Um, but I, I don't think you know that was a great contract, and, and and for all the problems with Kyrie, I think you see like the differences in, in top level ability between. A Kyrie and a Kemba. I think, you know, they can make moves on the margins for sure. Their best hope is another leap from both Tatum and Brown because those are their two best guys. Uh, I like Marcus Smart a lot too. So, I mean, I think Boston is live. You know, they're not an easy out for anybody, but do I believe that that team as it's constructed has a, is going to win an NBA championship? No. I think I think Tate, I mean I think Brown could be your third best player, but asking him to be the number two is probably asking a little bit too much for like his lack of of creation, like self creation for himself. And he's one of the yeah. better two way guys in the league, but I just don't see that. I, I just don't see that as a as a, as a step that that's. I mean, it would it would take a miraculous step for him, which is I guess it's a possibility. But James Harden trade for James Harden. Yeah, that 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 might do it. <laughs> I, I don't mean, think you would. How's the how's the strip clubs in Boston? I, 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 you know, it doesn't feel like a Boston vibe, but I, you know, like it ain't his choice, is it? I mean, <laughs> like. I mean, James Harden gets a lot of flack, but he, him with Tatum, you know that that might be that might be terrifying. I'm not gonna lie, to you. That's, that's that's quite terrifying. I mean, and and for all, I mean, where does James Harden go? Like, what is the situation for him? Like, we could pivot straight into that. Like, if non like the Nets aren't gonna trade for him, so. Where is that the Knicks fan in also? Uh, no, nah, I mean, <laughs> it might be, it might be, but the Rockets said they wanted Kyrie or KD in the trade. I think which the package is, is pretty mid from, from what the Nets could offer. So I do think it's a fair question. Like yeah. the, the Rockets, the Rockets would have to take a, 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 a lackluster package for Harden if they sent him to the Nets. Well, I, I, well, I think Houston loses a little leverage as time goes by um, and the situation gets uglier. Uh, I don't know where, you know, I, first of all, to, to what you were saying before, James Harden, for all of any of his conduct or, or criticism about his play, that that is a bad dude. And, and people are, are disrespecting him a little bit. You know, like there aren't, you know, he's arguably a top five player in, in the entire league. Um, and when it comes down to it, you know, like Giannis or Harden, who would you rather have going into a playoff series? I think that's a legitimate question. I, I, I would love that's those. Great. That's a great, that's a great, that's a great question. Those two guys, I think, would be such a perfect fit together because Harden could do the shot creation and Giannis could do everything else. As far as – I think Philadelphia has the best individual piece to offer, and if I were them, I would trade Embiid for Harden. Uh, I I have questions about Embiid's health, um, and and a a traditional big is your best player, but if you're Houston, are you going to get a better piece than that? I don't think so. You could almost do that trade straight up, uh, and then I I, I move Ben Simmons to like the 4-5 position. Um, have him as the screener. He can ca- he can play the Draymond role, catch and distribute off the you know, um, uh, alternate ball handling duties with Harden at times. But I, I think the Sixers have the best individual piece, whether it's Simmons or Embiid. And if I were Daryl Morey, I would trade Embiid for for James Harden. Yeah, no, nah, that's and I, I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that. You brought up my guy uh, Kangaroo Simmons, so I think a great question right here. Another another one of these player comps that I've been heavily thinking um one of my projects i'm working on where would you be at right now if you could build a team right now and you could pick either of these guys who would you rather have bam out of bio or ben simmons ben simmons 
Ben Simmons. Got to go, Ben. Yeah, it's not even um, I feel – I mean, for everything that we, we, we shit on Ben for, obviously his non-shooting, the – he's still the better player without that. So on the off chance that he does get a jump shot, what are we looking at here? Like it's, I mean, the potential with Ben Simmons, I, I mean, no flack to Bam. Bam is great, but he he's not Ben Simmons. I think I mean, Bam, Bam got never leaving him, honestly. Bam makes every team better. I mean, yeah. he's incredibly versatile, but Ben Simmons has a, his ceiling is significantly higher. Yeah. Um, and and I think, you know, the, the shot thing is, is a huge problem, but he's still, even with that, a top 20 guy in the league, um, and, and when Embiid's, but you know, when they surround him with shooting, he, he's looked really good at times. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's that for me, that's not much of a question. Yeah. I mean, and if you get rid of Embiid, obviously, and you kind of open up that paint to where he can live. And now obviously if you're trading Harden for Embiid and you're out there with Tobias Harden and, and Ben Simmons, like that team looks a lot different. Like that team, the flow, the flow on that the, team the is a lot better. The construction is really failed. Simmons more than anybody else. That looks like a team yeah. that could win the East to me. You put Harden on the Sixers, just swap Harden out for Embiid. I think they could win the East. And I mean, the shooting that they—I mean, they got—they got, they got um, Curry. They got Seth Curry on that team now. Um, is Josh yeah, Richardson still on that team? No, he's in Dallas. Oh, thank God, <laughs> because he—he's a nut job. But um, Danny Green was Danny uh, Green's on that. Team. Team. Yeah, depends on which Danny Green shows up for sure, but. <laughs> um, so I think one of the next questions that I did have is um, where are you at on the Warriors this year? Um, Steph is back healthy, but I think one of my biggest questions that I'm having about how we actually put this Warriors team together this season, if Steph is healthy and he, he's shown to be by himself enough to, to lead you to a to a elite offense in the regular season alone and I, and obviously that might lead into some more question marks um in a playoff series um if you could take advantage of of him on a defensive end but where where would you be at with with the warriors this year um and particularly with their regular season upside where do you see them around in a in a i know it's a 72 games a season this year but what would you say their win upside is this year uh i think back end of the playoffs you know they the warriors were a genuinely bad team last year and obviously going, Steph going down exacerbated that but they were they were a genuinely bad team I believe with Steph there they couldn't defend they couldn't rebound they were also worn down going to the finals all those years wears you down I mean it's one of the reasons I think Clay got hurt obviously one of the reasons KD got hurt um Steph's was more of a freak thing he fell down but they they've done a, a good job at least in being committed to being as competitive as possible I like the Kelly Oubre pickup I like the the idea of Andrew Wiggins having a chance within a real infrastructure for the first time in his career. Um, Draymond getting rest, Steph getting rest. So I, I think if Steph, this is a, really a question of is Steph still an MVP kind of guy? If Steph's still an MVP kind of guy, I think the Warriors are a playoff team. Um, I, I think they win more games than they lose. I think they're fun to watch. I think they're you know a team you don't really want to play on a night night in and night out basis because they're dangerous. If if he if he takes any step back, um, then then they're probably not, and they're probably on the outside looking at. What you think about that, Raz? I mean, the West is tough, right? So it's if Steph is back 100 percent and he's averaging 30 points a game, I think they could sneak in a seventh or eighth seed. But I, I mean, the key there is which Andrew Wiggins do you get? Do we get a new? a new looking Andrew Wiggins where he he's playing like we thought he would. Cause then that changes things. 
if he can be that other piece, that other complementary scoring piece, they may have something. They may have something there. They may be able to push. You know, six, six seed, five seed, where you know Steph's playing out of his mind, and you have Andrew Wiggins being the player we thought he was when he was drafted. No, definitely, definitely. So I and and yeah, so that's kind of the question. And even like when I think about it, they they lost their whole roster from last season. So and it, a lot of it was them being worn down. But I, a lot of times when we talk about them last year, they they lost like six or seven guys from their last playoff team rotation. Like that team last year was cooked from the jump. Honestly, for being real. Oh, uh, but yeah, that's gonna be one of the more interesting things. And honestly, like Steph, if Steph just sets the league ablaze again, it would end up being one of the best stories of the league. And I I, I would personally. Love to see that. Um, so yeah, we, we can wind down. The last couple questions for you, Lumber, and we get you out there. I know we actually have a good Thursday night football game today between Pats and uh, the Rams. It's actually trying to um, keep a good eye on football playoffs, too, man. This is, the this fuck is definitely about to. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so so even switching a little bit into football, I actually would love um, your your take. What have, what have you been seeing on the Giants lately, Lumberg and – um, obviously, Giants fan here, Raz is a Jets fan. Um, and I mean, there's nothing to talk about with the Jets, but um, the, the Giants have been playing much better uh, these last couple of weeks. What, what have you been seeing from them? Do you think they're actually taking steps towards something that could actually be a legitimate team? Um, in, in the NFC, well, look, I always say, uh, you know, the, the number one thing you can have as a fan, well, there's two things as a fan you want one is a transcendent player because that just overcomes almost everything, two is competence in the front office that you trust, and you know, going back to the Knicks or, or a team like the Jets, you know, you don't generally have that. The Giants did have that. And then yeah. at some point it went away and they got very Jets-esque. And, and I don't know what exactly happened. Yeah, tomorrow's um, bugging. I don't know what's going on over there. But it does feel like for the first time in a minute, they're headed in the right direction. You know, they, they've got some young talent on the team. Uh, uh, Leonard Williams has been a beast. Um, they're playing at a higher level. They've been competitive. You might have the answer at coach, which is an important thing. So I, I, I wouldn't, you know, oversell it or go too hysterical, but at least it feels like that that needle is, is pointing up again. I mean, the Giants, I, I thought they were in the toilet bowl with us three weeks ago. So I'm like, man, we're going to have two new quarterbacks in New York. Things things are looking up. But, I mean, I, I like the way Joe Judge has his team playing. Defense is, is flying around, and that's how I feel about special teams, coaches that turn into head coaches anyway. I feel like they're just very organized, and they're on top of everything. So I think that was just a great hire. Now, if Danny Dimes can hold on to the ball, like this team may be able, you know, to give somebody a, a good game in the wild card, you know, the wild even card round. They'll be hosting. Yeah, they're sitting at they're sitting at five and seven right now, and even like there's a couple games that they could have went back and forth, and they could have like they were they were incompetitive. So even as a five and seven team, they've been pretty much in most of their games this season so yeah it's definitely gonna be see um tough schedule down the road um all right so let's let's take back to the example you brought expansion draft in the nfl you could pick any of these young quarterbacks rank them where would you have them who's your most confidence in you have we could go uh joe burrow justin justin herbert josh allen kyler murray lamar jackson how would you rank those five uh well burrow's gotta be last uh, okay I mean, yeah no 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 respect, respect enough respect. knees broken uh, Justin <laughs> Herbert has done it for the, the shortest period of time. So he'd be next to last for me. Um, you got, got to prove it a little bit longer. The other three, it's tough. Um, I don't want to disrespect Lamar Jackson's MVP season. Um, but I, I do think, you know, L- Lamar's gotten so much better as a passer, but he still does struggle in 
obvious passing situations. I mean, it's oh, yeah, throwing, he's not great at throwing uh, to the hashes. That's usually yeah. where his it's when he's trying to throw on the upside of the field when he usually airmails them. But yeah, and Kyler Murray is electric. Um, he's just not as big. I, I, I could see me switching those top three around, like, and ask me on a different day today off most recent performance. I think I'd go Josh Allen. Josh Allen, okay. I I probably go Justin Herbert if we're being true. Um, he throw one of the be- like, and I, I understand that's that's definitely it's a lot of football is such a short sample size game to where it's hard not to let it's hard not to let what you saw last with the recent yeah. and stuff. But real talk, Justin Justin Herbert throws one of the best deep balls in the league. Like it's it's one of the most beautiful balls that any quarterback throws. Like it's up there with with like Russ and Mahomes. Like we're just like aesthetic wise. Yeah, I mean I. The way he has, you know, been playing, obviously, it's a little bit of indictment on the coach that he he's starting by accident because they punctured Tyrod's lung. But but uh, Herbert's he's let, really been letting it fly. I, I can see the argument for Josh Allen too, though. Um, I was I wasn't as high on Josh Allen coming out the draft just because I didn't think he was accurate. And that first year, he kind of proved that point right. But they got a, a good offensive coordinator in there, and they're playing to his strengths, and he looks really good with those weapons. Um, so Josh Allen is definitely, if he's not number one, he's my close number two. <sighs> Lamar, I don't want to sound like Bill Polian, but like you said, he's he's airmailing, <laughs> he's he's airmailing him right now. And so I, I would have Lamar number three, Kyler four, and obviously Joe Burrow number five. You love you a nice white quarterback, right? I, I see, I see the vibe. You I mean, bro. yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I'm not mad at it for the brand. It's not great for the brand to turn oh, that. Shams tweet. I don't know if you just saw, but Kyrie got fined twenty five thousand by the NBA for violating the media access rules. Of which, which actually, yeah, they they were going to podcast. He said that would happen. You can't just not talk to the media. Yeah, that's that's synergy right there. That's bringing it full circle. Because I mean, one of the questions we did have: How do you feel about the Kyrie media strike? But I mean, here we are. He's five, he's twenty five thousand yeah. lighter. So. <laughs> Which is nothing. That's nothing for Kyrie. I don't want to be misinterpreted. I'll I'll release a statement later so it can speak. <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, one of the we can we can we can end on this. And like I said, great conversation, Lumber. Appreciate you so much for taking some time out of your day to hop on the draft season podcast, man. Dream cipher, and we're gonna Hove is obviously in it. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna let you say Hove. Hove is Hove is the special guest MC referee. He's okay. gonna spit it. He's gonna spit a 16. He's obviously in this. But if you could have five rappers in a, in a dream cipher, who would you all have time? in a dream? All time. Dead or alive, all time cipher, five rappers. And no Jay-Z. Hope is in it. He's already oh, in it. So he's always ready in it. Yeah, Hope is already in it. Method Man. Okay. Ooh. Black Thought. Eminem. And that's fine. Hmm. Let me argue that Eminem choice, but... I, <laughs> no, Black, Thought, Black Thought might win it, honestly. Like <laughs> Eminem at its peak, though. I mean, come on. Uh, who's my fifth in a cipher? Whew, this is tough. I mean, currently, you got to have currently Kendrick Cole, Rhapsody. Those are some of my, but I, I don't like them in the cipher vibe so much. Black um, Thought eat them alive. Yeah. Black Thought's different. Yeah, yeah he's different. Hmm. Nas doesn't have that energy. Rakim, I thought I always feel like Rakim is like the godfather of modern day flow. Like Run DMC is great, but it was like sort of one, two, buckle my shoe, and then Rakim came in with the, <laughs> uh, you know the syllables. Um, Snoop, Snoop, you know, okay. Snoop with That's the flavor. So like, give me, give me Hove, Snoop, Method Man, Black Thought, Eminem. 
Right, you got a list? You got a list over top? I mean, Method Man, that I overlooked Method, Method Man. Man. I'm, I'm watching Man, the power. He... I'm watching the power reboot. So shout out to Method Man because I've been I've been enjoying his acting in that. But yeah, go ahead, Raz. That's uh, I mean, Hove is in it for sure. Um, I have to throw Method in there now. I would still throw Nas. I think he has the wit. I don't know if he has the energy, like you said, but he does. He does have the wit for it. Um, now three and four and five. <sighs> Cause I'm I'm xing the Eminem out of there. I can't do it. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, I might have to get back to you on that. Cause I, I'm I mean, sitting here thinking. I, I would love to see like Lupe in a in a God Lupe's MC. Lupe's good. Lupe's in a good. God in a God MC like Cipher like that. Lupe could definitely hold his own. Um, a couple of the Locks cats could definitely like. I would I would love to see see a Jada or or Styles in a, in a maybe, situation like that. Maybe a Banks. I might throw Banks in there just just to. Lloyd Banks, you know, we'll we'll rep the hood. We'll we'll throw Lloyd Banks in there. This is definitely a G Unit family approved show. Shout out yeah. to that's a special guest for you guys later. I'm not even going. We'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, that that'll wrap us up for today. Um, draft season podcast. Um, NBA preseason starts tomorrow, so we definitely have more stuff for you coming next week. Um, you can't follow him on Twitter at Robin Lumberg. Um, Lumberg, if you have any last thoughts or takes anything you want to leave the people with, um, we appreciate your time so much. I I, I said enough. Like I said, my statement's coming later. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. We out of here. All right.